welcome to the Grow and Learn podcast. This is your host, Zorina, and I have a wonderful guest for you again. This time, it is a lady who is a part of the first wave of the Great Resignation in the U.S. Her name is Sarah McElroy. She's a researcher, a writer, a journalist, an advisor for women who want to transition away from their current careers. Hi, Sarah. Good to have you. Hi. Hi, Serena. Thank you so much for having me. It, it, it's a long range of um, uh, things that you're doing. <laughs> um, you're busy writing your book at the moment. At the same time, you're advising women who would like to transition from their careers. You're previously a, a marketing executive, high, uh, high flight position, and then you dropped off. What's your story? Oh, I think that is a perfect way to describe it, Serena. I was that really quintessential corporate good girl. And I had this dream of climbing the corporate ladder, checking all of the boxes, doing all the right things, anything anybody asked of me. And I just thought that by the time I got to the top of that ladder and reached the C-suite at age 35, that would be it. And I would be happy. But I get there and I'm working up to 20 hours a day at that point in time after I made the transition because I was also doing an executive MBA program while I started this job. And I just started to burned out completely. I had a couple of episodes of throwing up blood that landed me in the emergency room, but even that wasn't enough to get me to slow down. You know, it was obviously concerning, but I just felt like I've got to push through. I'll make it through the end of grad school. I'll cut back on hours after that, but it ultimately, it didn't help. And I ended up with a bout of shingles. And so I decided to leave my chief marketing officer job and went for a fresh start completely. I was in the Atlanta, Georgia area in that CMO role, decided I would move down to Florida, actually to the beach where I'd been offered a a new job down here, figured a slower pace of life and living on the water would be great for my well-being. I'd cut back on hours and I certainly did all those things, but I get down here and my burnout isn't healing and I cannot figure out why. And it's especially interesting because it coincided with my story was actually picked up by the Wall Street Journal. And I did both an interview for an article with them and a podcast as well. And you hear my podcast episode, it kind of ends with a a peaceful, idyllic ending. Like Sarah kind of found peace and and happiness on the water. And in some ways that was true, but what I didn't understand at the time is that my burnout wasn't completely healing because I was dealing with a sexual harassment issue that wasn't being properly addressed. And in my mind, burnout is just working too many hours and too much stress related to your job itself. But ultimately that was a problem. You know? uh, I have a different walking into... I've interviewed... Sorry, I just jumped in, but I've interviewed quite a few people, including psychologists on burnout, and they all agree that burnout is only partially caused by uh, working long hours, but in its essence, uh, it's basically um, suppressing your expression and bad relationships with the people you work with. So it's basically emotional suppression from the people you work with. It's, It's never really only work. Oh, 
Wow. That is a really powerful take. Now I haven't heard it stated in it expressly those terms related to the relationships with the people at work, but no, that was it. That was it. Bottom line, because I've got, I've got this burnout wound that I am doggedly trying to heal. I mean, I can't even tell you how much yoga and meditation and personal development and cutting back on my hours I was doing. I'm still doing a good job, but you know, nowhere near the sort of blind commitment and the hours that I was doing previously, but it's like, oh my gosh, I'm down here and I'm doing all of these things. Why isn't this working? And you've got this wound and it's trying to heal, but it's like, it's like a paper cut walking into that organization every day, not sure what's going to happen. Are they going to properly address this situation? What's going to be the end result? That was the stress and uncertainty of that all kept the burnout going. And so ultimately in January, they finally did an investigation related to it, but it was so perfunctory and check the box that when I was supposed to get the, the readout from the investigation, the woman from HR put an hour on my calendar to discuss the investigation outcomes and findings. And she read back to me in four minutes, 10 bullet points of which five of them were either boilerplate or, or things I'd already heard before. And it was like, okay, I've had four months of struggling with this situation and it's causing a great deterioration to my mental health and well-being. And you're going to be able to tell me that you researched four months of issues and 3000 words of documentation in four minutes that you all really did what you were supposed to do. And for me at that moment, it was just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. After my last burnout, I wasn't going to stick around and continue to allow my personal well-being to be put through the ringer. So I, that night I drafted this honestly blistering anti-harassment resignation letter from the safety of my, of my home and the stay, even though I'm, I'm trembling at the office, I go into the office, I drop off my laptop, I hit send and I walk out. I didn't even give two weeks notice. It was like, you all had months to deal with this. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And so that's really what has sparked the rest of this journey that I know we'll talk about, but it was just like, oh my gosh, I was the corporate good girl. I got to the sea level but now I've just quit two jobs in nine months. And the last one, I didn't even give two weeks notice for what is happening to me. And there are millions of other women quitting right now during the great resignation. What's happening for them? I can't be the only person for whom these kinds of things are, are happening, these experiences. And so that's what really made me want to talk to more women. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, a lot of women, and I've had a similar story, not related to sexual harassment, too, but but um, a, a different type of pressure um, mm. when I was working in corporate. And I, it took me years and, and a lot of talks to people that are specialists in burnout. Um, and by chance, I actually mm -hmm. discovered that I probably also had a, burned out, a burnout because mm. I was so resistant to at all looking at getting a corporate job again it was like a non-acceptable I couldn't imagine myself stop stepping in an office again you can imagine but right. it never occurred to me that I may have a burnout and burnout has numerous expressions it could be uh, physical health mental health it could be just a complete repulsion to the idea that you could be doing something like that again so it, uh, the, the effects are quite subtle Definitely. all right so, so 
So, so what are you doing now, Sarah? What's, what's, what are you busying yourself with? Sure. Well, so that is, that was really the launching pad for me, those two experiences. But I will say, you know, hindsight is as hindsight is, and I can look back and be so grateful for this journey and even those painful experiences, because what it led me to do is to create Raise to Rise, which is a movement amplifying women's voices from the great resignation. I've been interviewing them and capturing their stories and really crowdsourcing their wisdom and insights in this online sort of forum that has actually done so well and become such a, a big deal that it's becoming a book, which I'm really thrilled to, to bring into the world because I know so many women can use this kind of information right now. A study by Deloitte came out earlier this year and they surveyed 5,000 women from around the globe and found that 50% of women intend to quit their jobs in the next two years, which is just mind-blowing. But then you look on a five-year horizon and and only 10% of women intend to be with their current employer five wow. years from now. So we're talking a, a skyrocketing to 90%. These are absolutely red alarm numbers. So it's like, okay, we've got to, we've got to take the, the wisdom and insights that we have from these women who are willing to share their stories of why they left, what they did, how they overcame the fear and confidence issues and all those blocks that we can run into and, and where can we go from here. But the one thing I did want to say is that when I left that job and I walked out of that office and I don't have plan, I don't have a paycheck, I don't know where anything is going to go. It was really unmooring and scary to be totally honest. So I just, I just had this feeling and felt like it was something I needed to explore and do. So rather than being the good corporate soldier and always having a plan and logic and rationality being my guiding principles, I decided to follow this thread and to, to pull it and to see where it could take me. And that's where it's landed thus far. Oh, wow. Amazing. I, I, I mentioned during our talk before recording that I have a few MBA classmates that are at very high positions and they had been contemplating on taking the taking their passion to their business and quitting their jobs. And they've also been fighting similar issues, some of them. But uh, they're facing a situation where they would have completely no security. Most of them are expats in a different country, so nobody to lean on. Um, imagine high-fly high position women up to a certain age, they're not even married, so there's no partner you can lean on. Mm, sure. In the majority of cases, you're a single woman in between 30 and 40 or in your 40s and you're trying to survive. So, you know, the, I understand the intention and the willingness of 90% of women to get out of their employer and cut the chains. But where do they go? That, that's the thing. How do these women survive? And right. is, there, is there a realistic scenario where you know, that where, of course, there are no guarantees for nothing. It's like in any entrepreneurship business, but right. we can't just put a, the pink glasses on and imagine that it's all going to be rosy once we've taken the decision. So yes. what was your solution? 
totally. No, I think you make a great point, Zarina, because that is that is the number one factor at play when I have conversations with women. It is related to money and how do I pay my bills and fear in that realm. And there is no silver bullet is what I would I would say, but I don't think that has to be discouraging because mm-hmm. anyone who, who is selling you all of goods related to just quit your job. It's going to be fine. You're going to create a six figure business. It's going to be amazing. That's not the kind of advice you want to be following. Anyway, I really believe from my interviews that it is about having an approach where you've got one foot in the, like we kind of said, the logic and rational pragmatic zone. And then on the Mm -hmm. other side, you are allowing yourself to dream again. You're starting to feel into what feels good to you because as women, we have been conditioned and taught to a lot of these to start leaning into what does the, the dream look like and how do I build it slowly with baby steps, micro decisions that can get me closer in that direction. So it's not just a knee jerk. I'm just quitting. I have no money tomorrow. I did that. I know that, um, but I, I wouldn't overall recommend it, I guess is what I'm saying. There are other ways to begin mm-hmm. exploring and planting seeds that you will be able to reap the benefit of that harvest down the line. It just isn't an overnight sort of fix as many of us would want. We are very much conditioned in our society to go for instant gratification, but it's not necessarily a, a realistic sort of a thing. But I will say too that What I've especially loved about this work is that it's not just about every woman out there quitting her corporate job and becoming an entrepreneur, because that's not everybody's dream. And the thought of that for some women is very much like, that sounds terrible. (laughs) It doesn't Mm -hmm, sound mm -hmm. like fun. And if that's the case for you, that's more than okay. And I enjoyed having these conversations with women who switched jobs just within a corporate organization as well. It's a matter of getting, getting in touch with your intuition. Honestly, it was amazing. Every single woman I spoke to just had a knowing that she had to quit, regardless of the mental gymnastics that she did. Every single woman had a knowing, which was just fascinating to me. It was like this sort of like deeper intuitive knowing. So it's getting closer to that and understanding who you are and your core values, and then finding work in another corporate organization, for example, that aligns better with that. So there's nothing that says that you have to be uh, an entrepreneur, but it is about more conscious architecting related to how we approach our careers, because we are kind of just taught, like chase the paycheck, climb the corporate ladder, which is a very masculine approach. And even as kids, you think about, we're taught to, to pick what we're going to do for the rest of our lives before our prefrontal cortex is even fully developed. It's kind of mind blowing. So it's this whole inner work excavation that happens to then lead us on our journey forward. Mm-hmm. Actually, the, the first course, because I also offer courses, the first course that I ever created was called Start a Business with Meaning. And mm. uh, it's exactly because it's, it's only now, I, st- I launched it about three years ago, I believe, but it's only now that I'm seeing more and more people talking about creating meaning and how this is important. And the reason, I mean, you can tell us more about your research, but from what I'm understanding, it's the people's quest for meaning that is causing this great resignation. Suddenly they realize that life could end in a, in a blink of an eye. 
So now they want to experience the meaning. So tell us a bit about your research and the book you're writing. Yes. Serena, you touched on something really, really powerful there. It is, it's true. So when you look at the, the numbers, and this is statistics related to the great resignation, the big call-outs for reasons for leaving have been related to burnout and toxic workplace culture. But I 100% agree that there has been this collective awakening that happened. We were all nose to the grindstone, running on the hamster wheel week after week. And the constant go, go, go nature of our economy and the workforce had it so that we were never pausing and taking time to ask is this what I really want? Is this job a good fit for me? You know, what matters to me in my life? We were not consciously asking these types of questions and intentionally designing our careers. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, sort of a, a record scratch moment where the whole world goes on pause in a lot of ways. And, and many workers are even working from home and it becomes this question of, okay, what are the things that I used to believe related to how my career has to be or how I have to work? What of that is actually really true or what of it, what was arbitrary related to those beliefs? What do I still want to, to carry forward in those beliefs? And to your point, yes, it became a matter of what, what matters most. Is it getting performing for a company or is it being with my family and friends and living my best life and contributing in a way to the world that makes me feel proud every day? We had just this moment of waking up and saying, I want to do something that that matters. And I think it's a really beautiful silver lining coming out of the pandemic. Now, to your point, it's really hard to figure out where we go from here. And that's what my research is doing. And my book is, is going to put forth is a essentially a toolkit for how do you get there? But it is a, it's not an easy sort of overnight thing that you just figure out and you just start making a change and you, you jump into a new role and you're going to be great from there. I honestly think we should be looking at this exploration just the way we evolve and change as people in our personal life. And, and so in the research that you're doing, are you speaking to women that are about to quit their jobs or have done it? Or is there some story of inspiration that maybe you can share with us? I'll share with you, for example, a couple of stories that I found particularly inspiring. I um, I met a woman through Instagram who was a project manager in the New York City area. And she had this kind of internal nudge that she needed to do something related to singing and songwriting, which was her true passion. And so she actually, she got this book about how to make it in the new music business, which is really how to be an independent singer songwriter. And she made a plan with a financial planner to spend a year saving up money uh, so that she could make, make a leap. And now she has done that. And she, I think the really beautiful thing is that when I spoke to her, so I found her because she did an article, an interview with Cosmopolitan magazine. And so I talked to her a few months after that, and it was really brilliant because she shared so much of 
the, the journey and how she doesn't regret it. And she's really happy that she did it, but that it has brought some challenges and, and she can see the light and the dark in that and be able to say it's, it's still worth it, which I think is what we have to remember as well is that there, to your point of the rose colored glasses, there is no panacea that is going to make our careers perfect. There's nothing that would ever do that. And so we need to embrace what we're doing in taking new steps in this journey in such a way to know there will be ups and downs and peaks and valleys, but that's okay. That's part of the process. It really becomes embracing the fact that this is a journey as life is. Our, our career should be considered in that same vein and that there will be ups and downs and peaks and valleys, but you will learn from those difficult moments, those things and experiences that tell me I don't ever want that again. They're just as valuable as the really rich, fulfilling experiences because they're they're guiding us more toward ultimately where we're supposed to be. The project that you're running at the moment, it's called Race to Rise. Is this the book that you're writing? The research that you're doing is called Race to Rise. Yes, the uh, the journalism project related to women in the Great Resignation is raised to rise, but the book is being born out of that and will be bigger beyond the Great Resignation. It's women who have made big leaps in the past as they're able to look back and share even with you know years or a decade's worth of hindsight. It's the women from the Great Resignation, and then it's also a, a lot of research that I have curated related to experts in psychology, neuroscience, spiritual teachers, you know, kind of a whole realm. The way I like to look at it is that, you know, as I said at the beginning, I was very much your pragmatic type and that that was the the only type of approach that needed to be involved with careers ever, period. But what I came to see is that opening up our minds to more of not just like the academia and the science side of things, more of that soul side and um, who we are on kind of our most authentic, truest level, our even our spiritual connection, intuition, all of those things, there's really a place for that here. So I look at all of this through a framework of science, soul, and then strategy comes in the middle and shows you how to blend the, the best of birth both worlds. So it's like, let's understand how our brains work related to fear, for example, when we're going to make a big leap and how we can overcome some of the, you know, the neuroscientific uh, workings to our benefit. But then it also becomes, what do we do just like on a soul level related to fear to be, to feel stronger? And that might be finding faith or not being uncertainty. So I'm trying to blend a lot of different disciplines into this. I understand, Sarah, that your research is and work is now based on mostly encouraging these women and trying to help them find their passion and how to bridge the logical and the emotional parts so that they can find their happiness again in the work they do. But I'm just thinking about the future three to five years from now when all of these industries will be lacking 90% of their female force, what would happen in general in the world? and wouldn't there would wouldn't there be like an overcompetition of women in personal development in advisory helping each other as it is a natural inclination for women to help others do the same 
there being a concern around a mass exodus of women from the sort of the corporate workplace, I personally personally don't share that concern because the the bulk of the women that I've spoken with actually really just want to find somewhere that they can call home within a corporate organization or, or actually for an employer. Not every woman has the dream of becoming an entrepreneur, which I think is really important to remember with all of this. Um, there's a, a, an excellent book called Good to Great written by Jim Collins. It's kind of an old management and leadership book, but it's related to companies and how the best companies understand that it's about getting the right people onto the bus and then figuring out what seats they're in versus trying to find one person to fit one particular seat you know, one role or job in an organization. And I deeply believe that we're coming to this too, as women, we are wanting to find organizations that match our values, where we can have impact. They respect us. We have flexibility and it becomes just a matter of finding those things that are important to you, finding a match within another organization, that that's where I I see it more of a shifting between Mm -hmm. companies rather than a mass exodus to become entrepreneurs. Okay. This sounds much better. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, How can people find you and how can they be of contribution to you or how can you be of contribution to them? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. My website is raisetorise.com and that's R-A-Z-E-T-O-R-I-S-E.com. You can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram as well as Sarah J. McElroy. And I am, as I'm putting together all this research, I love connecting with women and hearing their stories and understanding what they're experiencing so I can dig into more of the, the ways to support them. And then yes, happily would have conversations and and find ways to support you as well if if there's anything that I can do. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much for this conversation. Inspiring, giving hope. So I hope everybody takes a, a note of what you just said and looks at their power within and their purpose Indeed. and passion. <laughs> yes, Thank you. wonderfully said. Thank you, Zarina. Thank you, Sarah.